Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Hello, Hope Gateway. My name is Jonathan Wright Gray, and I'm really looking forward to sharing some reflections with you on what is actually today is the second Sunday of Christmas. Did you know that? Part of the liturgical 12 days of Christmas between December 25th and the festival of the Epiphany on January 6th, which we'll be celebrating next Sunday. Last Sunday, Aaron shared with us the stories from the Gospel of Luke about what happened after Jesus' birth. How Mary and Joseph had him circumcised eight days after he was born, just the way the law of Moses said it should be done. And then several weeks after that, they brought him to the temple in Jerusalem and made the ritual sacrifice there of two turtle doves or pigeons. Did you ever wear Wonder where that came from in the song, Two Turtle Doves. With this act, they were officially dedicating this baby to God. Aaron told us how there were two elderly people there in the temple who became very excited when they saw the baby and his parents and said remarkable prophetic things about what this baby's life was going to mean. Aaron suggested to us last Sunday, that we all should be asking each other, not just the superficial things like, how are you, how's the weather, but what is in your mind and heart? Because we're all part of the truth that needs to be spoken in our time and place today. I do have a point of clarification to add this morning, and I hope if you don't already know this, that you will not find it too shocking or upsetting. But Jesus was not born on December 25th. I know that's a surprise to some people, but that connection was only made more than 300 years later by the Roman Emperor Constantine. Constantine could see that his empire, the Roman Empire, was in decline. For several hundred years, the government had in fact been trying to outlaw and suppress the followers of Jesus. And yet they were still a vibrant and growing community. So Constantine made a huge switch and he legalized Christianity instead. December 25th was already a big festival of light called Saturnalia. So he simply Christianized it as Jesus' birthday. It worked and it didn't. His empire was still in decline. But this made it easier for ordinary people to jump on the Jesus bandwagon, so to speak, and start going to church. They knew they weren't going to be persecuted for it. So why am I telling you all this? Because whatever time of year Jesus was born, it's just as complicated today as it was then to listen to what's in your own heart 
and to follow the real Jesus and what he taught and lived for. It was hard long ago, and it's hard today. After the prophet Simeon shouted out his words of praise about Jesus for everyone to hear, listen to what he had to say more quietly, just to Mary. Some words that are found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. This is what Simeon said to Mary. This child of yours will cause many people in Israel to fall and others to stand. The child will be like a warning sign. Many people will reject him. And you, Mary, will suffer as though you had been stabbed by a dagger. But all this will show what people are really thinking. In other words, prepare yourself for difficult times as you guide this child in the years to come and prepare him for his destined calling. And follow the truth wherever it leads you. Even though these words of Simeon are probably not the sentiment you're going to find on a Christmas card, I think they do speak to the often unspoken questions parents carry in their heart of hearts when they look into the face of their newborn. Namely, what kind of a world is my child being born into? How do I prepare myself and them for the challenges they will encounter? Am I up to the task of guiding them as they begin this journey? And will I be able to forgive myself for the imperfect way in which I carry out this responsibility? And lastly, what new dream does my child bring with them as their unique? gift to the world. As an example of how one woman is attempting to live out this journey in today's world, I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Stephanie Ude Sinclair, and she has a practice in family medicine at Rumford Hospital in Western Maine. She and her husband are the busy parents of three daughters between the ages of eight and the youngest just a few weeks old. And as you'll see, this little Millie is an active participant in our interview. Here they are. Well, that was a big yawn. Yes, it was. <laughs> Hello, Stephanie, and thank you so much for being willing to attempt this. Of course. Uh, interview with the baby. <laughs> of course. We'll just uh, play it by ear and see how little Millie does here. She's doing great. <laughs> well, let's just jump right into this, Stephanie. Sounds good. Uh, as, as a woman of faith, what I'd like to ask you, one of the things I'd like to ask you is, when you were preparing for your career as a, as a medical doctor, you chose to enter Columbia University's International Medicine Program which actually led you to attend medical school in Israel. And prior to that, you went on uh, several medical mission trips uh, to the Dominican Republic, and you've done internship, internships around the world, I know. Uh, 
it feels like you you've not only trained for a profession but you were responding to to a call to devote yourself to international medicine is that fair to say i, I would say it's very fair to say um so much that um the day that i mailed my application to medical school i cried um because not because i was happy but because i knew i'd have to give up the life i had grown used to um and i even though i had no way of knowing that i would get in it was a very i remember exactly where i was when i mailed it uh -huh. and now here you are today with a little baby and uh, you're working in a small rural hospital in which in a way has some parallels to international medicine, I suppose. I'm wondering, what has it been like for you personally to do your work in the midst of a global pandemic, delivering babies and treating older patients with dementia and all the many things that you do? What, what during this time, what has inspired you when you hold for strength? And conversely, what's been challenging or discouraging? Hold on just a second. Okay. What I will say is that everything about this journey, including this little person who's been my pandemic baby, is that it hasn't been easy. <laughs> it's been a tough year. This is my, my middle child. This is Guinevere. <laughs> Hi, Gwenny. Nice to see and, you. And what has been what has inspired me and what has challenged me have been very similar things in a lot of ways the pandemic has been the hardest part of my career um which is amazing considering the fact that i've worked in some of the most challenging places throughout the world and i think the reason it is is that we know how to prevent it from getting worse and you can it seems like you're standing and screaming into the wind and the word the wind is taking your words away However, what I will say is that despite that, people have been, there have been a lot of people that have been very grateful for the care that we provided through this pandemic. It hasn't looked at all like it's looked before. Sometimes it's over Zoom, sometimes it's um, in person, sometimes it's behind a face mask and a face shield and a Johnny and all the other things. But at the end of the day, I still get to take care of people and it still feels like a completely rewarding career. Well, that's encouraging to hear as we're still muddling our way through all of this. I think we have a long way to go. Yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Is there anything you would add to that about what it means to you to, to be called to be a child of God and a wife and a mother and a doctor? all of these things that are important parts of your life how do you fit them all together i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> some days it feels like i'm doing a pretty good job at one of them and some days it feels like i'm doing a pretty bad job at all of them and every once in a while i get to do a pretty good job at all of the pieces but what i will say is on the day that my water broke which was eight more than eight weeks before my due date it reminded me of what community is like in the midst of a pandemic and it reminded me of how I get to be the wife of a wonderful husband 
and a mother to, to, to wonderful girls and uh, uh, like blessed by my patients within minutes of my water breaking, which was discovered by one of my coworkers, might I add. People had, people had come to take the kids so Alex could go with me to Portland. I know, huh? I know. Hold on a minute. I think maybe she wants the chocolate thing. You mad. Look at you, you so mad. Yeah. You want to try this? You want to see? You want to look over here and say hi to Jonathan? You say hi. Oh, I'm mad. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so mad. Oh, she's a mad baby. Um, what I will say is that in a time that has been very isolating, the community here of patients, of coworkers, of my husband, our friends, and our family has really reminded me of all of the pieces of my life and how blessed I am to be where I am. Yes. Well, here we are still in the Christmas season. Uh, when we focus on the entrance of a baby into the world 2000 years ago and ask ourselves as we do each year, what it means for us today. There's a saying maybe you've heard Every baby that's born is a sign God hasn't given up on the world. So true. Mary and Joseph brought the newborn Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to do the prescribed ritual of presentation and heard prophetic words spoken about him which they could barely begin to comprehend. And here you are holding a new baby, little Camille, born weeks early with some of the uncertainties and complications of that, of course. So I, I'm wondering, when you looked into the face of this fragile new life that you're holding, what did you see? What did you feel? And what challenges did you experience? And what gifts did you receive? Any of that? Well, I have to tell you, I had prepared myself. She was six and a half weeks early. I had prepared myself to not hear her cry when she was born. The neonatologist had come in and talked with me and had said, you know, you may not hear that. She may go directly and we may have to breathe for her when she comes. And when they took her out, um, I heard her cry and it was the most beautiful sound I'd ever heard in the world. And I think about that now because she's a little bit fussier than my other kids. She had to learn to feed, not in the normal way. She had to start with a tube down her nose and with bottles. And she eventually has very slowly started to learn to nurse. And I think about how life was hard, but for her, in a lot of parts of the world, she wouldn't be here. She needed oxygen. She needed medicine for her lungs. She needed feeding tubes. And I just feel very grateful. And I think about the, the sort of differences and similarities between Mary and I. And Mary was a teenager, and I'm 41. <laughs> and both of us are sort of at the different ends of the spectrum and unprepared in different ways. And yet still the grace of God has gotten, has come to both of us in this Christmas season. And for that, I am most grateful. Mm -hmm. To use a, a phrase from the traditional carol, the hopes and fears of all the years, they're all focused right here, aren't they? The baby. What, what dream do you see in this face as you look into her eyes? 
What's your prayer for this new life? What's my prayer for what, Jonathan? For this new life, this little new life of yours. I pray that she knows half the love that I've known in this life and that she feels so as supported as I did by my parents and by those people around us and that she knows the love of the world and that she knows how much I love her and how much her father loves her. And I pray that she has the easiest and most wonderful of life and that she can give back something to those of to those who need it. I think it's wonderful that you felt as though hearing her cry was a tremendously beautiful thing. And, you know, here you are holding her and she's fussing and you're, of course, just taking it all in stride as, as you uh, know so well how to do. And maybe we should rejoice that she's fussy here today because it's a sign of life, isn't it? She's definitely not lacking in fervor. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing this time with us. And so uh, have a blessed Christmas season and uh, a wonderful, wonderful new year as it stretches ahead. You too, Jonathan. Thank you. Just as it did 20 years ago, 20 centuries ago, I mean, when Jesus was born. The cry of a newborn baby rings out filled with life. Then it was in the shadow of an empire already showing signs of decline. And today, that cry, still full of hope and promise, rings out in the midst of a still raging pandemic in a country and a world still searching for its way in uncertain and foreboding times. And like long ago, there are parents who must tend to that cry, which echoes with a calling. A calling to see what light this new life will offer to the world, full of grace and truth. As the Lebanese poet Gibran put it, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. Do not give them your thoughts. They have their own thoughts. You cannot follow them, not even in your dreams. May we each follow our calling to nurture our children, our communities, and our earth. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.org.